Hi, hello, and welcome to another episode of You Want to Watch, a podcast where I'll let you know whether or not that movie you're considering watching is worth it. My name is Gabby, and it has been quite a minute since I've recorded an episode. I hit a point where I wasn't really enjoying anything that I was watching, and then I was watching a lot of TV shows, like I did. My last episode was on Defending Jacob, the first three episodes, which in hindsight, having watched episode four, I don't recommend anyone watching it, especially not until all the episodes are out. So you can just like do it in one go and then move on with your life because it's not all that interesting. Anyway, not to get off on a tangent on that. I just was having a hard time finding movies that I was interested in talking about, but I have three that are on Netflix that... I feel like talking about today. So here's a new episode. I hope everyone's excited. Let's get into it. The first movie that I'm going to talk about is something I watched two weeks ago when it dropped on Netflix, and it is the new Chris Hemsworth movie called Extraction. It is directed by one of Chris Evans' uh, stunt doubles. His name is Sam Hargrave, which let's already get into that right now. Very confused. Um, at the change in profession for him going from a stunt double to directing a movie like they gave him his own full movie it's a lot of money it's a lot of uh like faith to put in someone who doesn't have directing background so I was already interested to see how that was going to go though I did have hopes going into this movie that the action scenes would be really good because one it's Chris Hemsworth he's talented enough he's done lots of action movies he's got lots of background in making the fight scenes look good and then if it's directed by someone who is also a stunt double knows a lot about how fight scenes should look I was really expecting a lot out of this movie from that aspect I was not expecting a good plot line I was not expecting good acting I was just at least wanting to have a good time and wanting the fight scenes to look really cool and again I do this to myself I was let down there were so many tweets about this movie like the day that it dropped that Friday into that weekend because lots of people are at home they have time to watch it and I think Chris Hemsworth just posted a video a few days ago saying that it's Netflix's most um, like popular and best performing original movie which I mean I guess once you get a lot of people at home all at the same time and you put Chris Hemsworth in your movie you're gonna get people to watch it but that doesn't make it a good movie and doesn't really make it worth people's time. So I think that's interesting also because Netflix um, is known to not share their viewing um, information accurately. Like they'll say like 75% of people who have Netflix accounts watched this crappy Jennifer Aniston, Adam Sandler movie. And then you and your friends don't know a single person who's seen that. So none of their information they release ever truly makes sense um this experience like this many people watching extraction reminds me of bird box the way that got hyped up and i know everyone on twitter was like talking about it all at the same time but the numbers they released for it were really insane and they didn't make any sense for actually how many people probably watched that movie so i don't trust netflix when they say things like that and honestly it doesn't really matter to me like how many people are watching different content on their service because there's so many things on there that once it's on there like if somebody's going to watch it they're going to watch it so it doesn't really you telling me that a bunch of people have seen it unless I know someone who's seen it and that gets my interest peaked I don't really care to know that like 
95% of people with a Netflix account has watched something that I haven't because I don't watch Stranger Things. And I know most people with Netflix accounts do. So obviously, I cannot be swayed that way. Anyways, let's get into the plot. In this movie, Chris Hemsworth plays a man named Tyler Rake, which, wow, what an interesting, fun action man name. And he is a mercenary who offers up his services on the black market and he gets this job basically to go on a mission to rescue this kidnapped son of a Mumbai crime lord. Um, That's essentially the plot. Like this kid gets kidnapped. He gets hired to then go save him. That's how we get into the plot of this movie. So it's a very loose thing, not well drawn up from the beginning. It's just a little side set of events to make sure that we get all of these action scenes. You have to have reasons to put Chris Hemsworth in all of these fights because that's just the point of this movie. The point of the movie is the fight scenes. And there actually is a couple of ones I really liked. Um, I just sometimes like hand-to-hand combat can be pretty cool because you get like handheld filming like with the camera you feel like you're in the middle of the fight I always go back to the fight scene in Captain America the Winter Soldier where Steve is fighting the Winter Soldier for the first time when he's finding out that it's Bucky that scene's great all of the shaky cam there hand-to-hand combat with the knife lots of good things happening in that scene I did not feel as strongly about anything in extraction the way I feel about Captain America, the Winter Soldier, but that's just true of most movies. I love Captain America, the Winter Soldier more than 99% of movies. So there's that. But there is a lot of action in this movie if that is something you are interested in. If that's all you want are explosions and car chases and fight scenes, then it's not the best version of a movie that does that but it is a movie that you can watch that has all of those things in it something else to talk about in this movie is that it was produced by the russos which is another captain america action marvel connection along with the director um which is why i think that he was allowed to make this movie anyways that they were just willing to throw money at him which again i guess it's nice to have connections in hollywood but probably someone could have done a better movie My point in bringing this up is that in the lead up to this movie, there was a bunch of hype on Twitter from the Russos, from Sam Hargrave, that there was a one shot action sequence, this one -er in the movie that was the coolest thing you were ever going to see. And it's the best one -er and blah, blah, blah. Like, okay, sirs, calm down. You're not 1917. I'm not going to be staring at Richard Madden in this movie at some point. Okay, like chill. The idea for a oneer is that it's supposed to be one continuous single camera shot, um, which this one is not. Um, he calls it a quote apparent one take, which then don't call it a oneer. Call it something that's stitched together to look like a oneer. Because let's just be honest with our audience, okay? But the scene lasts twelve minutes, and it has like a car chase. It has these gun battles. It has one of the fight scenes that I actually really liked in it. But because it was part of this whole quote unquote one take, I feel like each piece was detracted from the entire thing. Like because it isn't nineteen seventeen. This movie's not nineteen seventeen. Its whole like gimmick is not to have the entire movie be one shot it just felt like overkill to do 12 minutes when it didn't 
to me like actually add any sort of extra element to the movie the scene just felt too long like cool you are capable of doing this many action scenes together in 12 minutes and I know he did lots of cool things like he strapped himself to the top of cars and like I think he jumped off a rooftop with the camera which is really cool which I guess that's a good um, upside of being a former stunt man that you can do some cool things that other directors can't but just because you can doesn't mean you should I love saying that because I think it's so true like just because you are capable of doing lots of different things like that does not mean you have to throw it all in someone's face at one point which is what I think this scene did so I don't know I wasn't super hyped about it the way everyone else especially because they hyped it up so much before I watched it that I was waiting for this one or like I kept I was like when is it going to come when is it going to come I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting for it I'm so excited to see it and then you can feel it when it's happening but it just feels too long so it didn't work for me which is really upsetting because I love one shots. I love tracking shots. I love when they're used really well because they usually do have a big impact. Like the one I have thought of a lot in recent memory is there's a five minute tracking shot in Bad Times at the El Royale, which is funny because that movie also has Chris Hemsworth in it. But I think that's a good example of using a oneer to be a good device in your movie and your storytelling and your directing um but it just didn't work for me and extra as i said i did not watch this movie for its storytelling um i think there were some interesting scenes like showing the bond between um chris hemsworth's character and the kid that he's rescuing like they try to do some sort of like not father son thing but like big brother, little brother kind of bond. And it worked in some places. And then I didn't really care in others. But again, that's not why I was watching this movie. And so it just kind of didn't really do anything for me again. Like that's just the way I can sum up this whole movie is that it didn't really do anything for me. And I didn't really want to finish it. I think I kept like checking the timestamp as I was watching it. And I was like, wow, I still have an hour left. Wow, I still have 45 minutes left. Like, even when I only had 20 minutes left, it felt like the longest movie of my life. So this was the start of me not wanting to keep watching new movies. Like this was the movie that did it for me. So this is why I have not talked about any movies in a minute, but I felt that it was important for me to talk about this one. One, because I watched it. And it's something that a lot of people have access to, but also because um, I was just thinking about how Netflix was talking about how it's, it's super popular and it's its most successful original programming in movie format. Um, and I think I just think it's funny that like, yeah, that's easy when everybody's at home and nobody can go to the movie theaters. So whatever. The next movie that I'm going to talk about actually isn't on Netflix. So if I said I had three Netflix movies to talk about, I misspoke. I'm not going to go and edit that part out. So sorry. But I watched a movie called Sella and the Spades, which is on Amazon Prime. I really liked this movie. This movie is about a group of students at a boarding school in Pennsylvania and it, the main focus is on a girl named Sella who leads this like faction of students who they call the Spades. So Sella and the Spades. And this group of people, they sell drugs to other people at their school. And they sort of have this like little, it almost feels like a culty kind of thing. Like, and they have different groups of 
leaders for each little set of cliques and stuff in their school and they're like warring to try and figure out who gets to take the school over once Sella graduates and it's all very drama filled high school drama love it so much I had a really good time the main reason I wanted to watch this movie was because the lead is a black girl and I think that that's fun to have black girls be the stereotypical mean girl leader of the school because I don't think we see that enough like I feel like the only time we've really ever seen that was like what in Clueless and we don't talk about Stacey Dash anymore so we can't really have that we had Gabrielle Union in Bring It On but she was not seen as like the best girl in that movie because that was still Little Miss Kristen Dunst so I would love to see more black girls be the mean girls and be on top in high school settings. I think that's fun. The big plot that we follow throughout this movie um, is that there's this new girl at the school whose name is Paloma and Sela sees talent in her and thinks that she can basically like groom her to be the next Sela. She wants her to take over the spades when she graduates. Um, so it's the movie is them becoming friends her teaching her how to handle the school how to run the school but Paloma gets a little too good at it and Sela can't have that so from there there are some different conflicts lots of things happen it's very dramatic I'm telling you fun is the best word I can use to describe this I had a really good time it's quite short so it's not like a big undertaking to watch it if you have access to prime uh, make sure you're not watching it on a day where any prime workers any amazon workers are striking because we want to make sure that we don't cross any picket lines um, but I would say give this a watch especially if you are interested in little like culty click movies it's like mean girls but dark i like that i like that a lot the last movie that i watched i'm going to talk about is on netflix so there was two netflix movies one amazon prime movie for this episode and the last movie that i watched was called the half of it and it is on netflix and it was very cute i'm still thinking about it i gave it four stars on letterboxed so I had a really good time watching it and I will tell you what it's about. The half of it is a movie that was written and directed by Alice Wu who is a Chinese American director and screenwriter and she is also a lesbian which is important to note because the main character in this movie is a high school student who is also Chinese American and also a lesbian. So representation in media is incredibly important and own voices is also even more important because it's good for people who understand exactly um, the perspective that they're writing from to be writing those stories. Like to have a straight person write about gay people is not as good as having a gay person writing about gay people because they are able to use their own personal experiences and their worldview to write better characters, if that makes sense. Like, obviously, any, no, actually, not any representation is good representation. I was about to say that. It's not true. So it's good to have good representation is what I'll say. The main girl's name in this movie is Ellie, and she is straight A student, very quiet, very shy, and she 
gets paid to do a lot of the kids in her school's homework for them. And because of that, she is hired by this jock kid named Paul who wants to woo the most popular girl in school whose name is Aster. So Paul hires Ellie to basically make Aster fall in love with him. And in the process, Ellie falls in love with Aster, which is peak love this love the storytelling love this plot line i'm having so much fun at the top of the movie it's like said by the character that this is not a love story it's not about two characters falling in love and like riding off into the sunset together which i appreciate because even though i love love and i love watching love stories love movies all of that kind of stuff i think it is important to show different relationships especially friend relationships in the way that the ups and downs of those can be just as heartbreaking as romantic ones. Alice Wu said that the first time she had her heart broken after she came out as a lesbian wasn't um, by another girl, but by her best guy friend whose girlfriend at the time was threatened by their friendship and intimacy they had with each other. And so even though she was a lesbian, was obviously not interested in her guy friend romantically that way, like their friendship deteriorated because of that aspect of it, because of his girlfriend's unease with their relationship. And so I think it's really important to show a lot of those different aspects of friendship and relationships because a lot of the times we just see like romantic ones in media unless it's like friends that are like backstabbing each other like gossip girl style um you don't really see a lot of good handlings of how heartbreak from friendships can go even though actually like gossip girl serena and blair kind of peaked they kind of did that pretty well in the grand scheme of things but we're not talking about gossip girl right now the cast in this movie was really good to me. I thought they were all really likable, especially um, the jock character of Paul. He's played by this kid named Daniel Deemer, if that's how you pronounce his last name. He really reminded me of Teen Wolf era Dylan O'Brien, like Style Stilinski. I couldn't unsee it once I realized that's who I thought that he was. And so honestly, I'm here for bringing back that level of teen heartthrob boy like I feel like we need a good geeky boy again like we don't need all of these abs and things like I'm fine with us going back to being a little embarrassing having a little fun giving us some styles energy I miss that a lot this movie was really sweet it was really cute kind of made me emotional at parts it's one of the best movies I've watched in the past couple of weeks it's kind of given me like an upturn i'm excited about watching different new movies now so i am looking forward to seeing what else i'll be watching in the next coming couple of weeks i know that lovebirds will be dropping on netflix in about two weeks and that's the Issa ray kumail nanjiani um like romantic like they're together in the movie, but then they're trying to investigate this murder. And I'm really here for it. Like, I guess it is a rom-com. I always think of rom-coms, the very stereotypical ones, but like this is a romance because they're together and it's a comedy. So it's literally a romantic comedy. I put two and two together, y'all. You hear that? Wow. Using my brain. 
I've rewatched a lot of movies in the past couple of weeks. I watched Cadillac Records, which is available on Netflix, which is the Adrian Brody Beyonce musical-ish movie. Had a really good time. Love watching that movie. And then I rewatched Prisoners, which is my favorite Denis Villeneuve movie. It's got Hugh Jackman and Jake Gyllenhaal, and I don't really need to say more. It's great. If you've never seen it, I would find it somewhere on the internet and give it a watch. I rewatched Knives Out because I was in that kind of a vibe. I wanted a whodunit. I wanted Anna de Armas, and I wanted something good from Chris Evans because I was trying to like give myself a break from defending Jacob because I wanted to look at Chris Evans, but I wanted to look at him in something good, which again, I don't think defending Jacob's good. So Knives Out did that for me. I rewatched the live action Cinderella with Lily James and Richard Madden. And that one was just like a feel good watch because I love their smiles. Their smiles are really genuine. They're really big. They make me happy. I love that movie, love that version. And then I also rewatched The Man from Uncle, which I own on DVD. I watched it in honor of Henry Cavill's 37th birthday. If they would like to give me a sequel to that movie, I will be asking, begging for it till the end of time. Please just give me a Man from Uncle sequel. Thank you. But that's all I have for this episode. I hope that I can get on a roll of watching some new movies that I can talk about in future episodes. But until then, thanks for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of You Want to Watch. You can find me on Apple Podcast and Spotify, as well as on Twitter at YWWpod and Instagram at You Want to Watch.